I'm Candace Michelle, and this is Our Community. So there's lots to talk about this week, and joining me again to chat about what's up in Brookings is Brookings Corps Response Executive Director Diana Cooper. Welcome back to the show, Diana. Hey, how are you how's doing? It going? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing good. It's I'm on finals right now for school, so I'm a little bit tired, but um, I'll be I done, bet. and I'll have like three or four weeks of you and, know and what, what I used to think I was. Are you taking? I'm taking economics. Um, well, I'm taking microeconomics this term. Next term, I'll be taking macroeconomics, and then I'm also taking a health systems class, which is basically health economics, and then mm-hmm. a business a business course, which is kind so of overview those all of business. Sound- like really like heavy loads they are heavier than i thought it's definitely different <laughs> going from um sophomore year to junior year in, in college it's it's quite different especially if you transfer from a community college because you know community college well i guess this is just my experience but um community college for myself and you know my sister is at the same college that i was at it's a little bit it's not like it's easier but it's certainly well, maybe it's easier. It's a little easier. It's kind of, I, I, yeah, yeah. it's more about like, you know, you do a lot of homework assignments and a lot of discussions and things like that. This is like um, pretty solid lectures. And then of course, economics mm-hmm. is just all of that math. You said, I'll never use that. And yes. I'm using it all. And it's sort of, it's very interesting. I, I really love economics. So that helps me learn it. But Right. I it's forcing me to be good at math. So Yeah, I I remember when I was um I I did some community college courses and I thought I was going to go on and get my, you know, four-year degree in yeah. I was going to do it in psychology. And there was a distinct difference between community college and the four-year university that yeah. I transferred to. Distinct difference. And the the one class that I took in community college, which was so hard, um, was the uh, anatomy class. And <laughs> it, it was hard. Yeah. Okay. It was really a hard class. <laughs> but that was the only one that was was really difficult. The rest of them, yeah, were kind of like you know, they're not very technical. I think in the first few right. years, um, you know, right. it's kind of a lot of opinions and. You're really right. learning how to navigate the professional world, um, but there's a lot of technical concepts once you get, you know, into a four-year college or you know, junior year. But yeah, the the hardest class I had in community college was <laughs> was actually the art class. I I took no. a art. Yeah, I said what? <laughs> so I told you I'm not creative. No. Um, how it, did that work out? <laughs> I I picked it because I had to take an elective that was outside of my main track. And I was like, uh, it was sort of like a close your eyes and point sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Not really. I didn't really do that. But I didn't yeah. care what I took. And right. I thought, all right, that'll be like the easiest one. We'll just do painting. We didn't paint one time. There was no paint involved. There was no coloring, no nothing. And I don't like coloring. But again, I thought this would be a really easy course. And it was actually what was it? What what did it, it deal with? It was the history of art over the oh. centuries, as well as oh, um, art concept no. and digital art. And oh, so no, you know, no. you know what's funny <laughs> is um, I use a lot of that knowledge though now as a director for our website, for our 
for photography for things like that. So right, you know, in a way, I'm glad it's I took funny it. Funny how that it was works the hardest out. class. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I I almost yeah. didn't pass it. Honestly, yeah, That's so funny. it was very technical. That's why. <laughs> and so these classes very very technical. The health systems class is probably the hardest. Um, although I had it, I have an eighty-nine and a half percent. So I'm hoping if I ace the final, that'll bump you. it to an A, and then I'll have all A's. Yep. But yeah, good. Yeah, for that's you. a hard one. But it must be fascinating the the economy of health care systems. Oh, it's I mean, very it's uh, well, fascinating is certainly one word. There's times when I'm reading it and you know just knowing what I know about our systems around here and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hearing a lot of conversation from the hospitals, because it's really focused a lot on hospitals, health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, we're, you know, we're finishing up the term by learning, kind of watching a lot of the debates on um, universal health care or not. And Oregon, mm. of course, is one of the most progressive states when it comes to health care. So mm-hmm. this is a good state to live in and learn about this and practice it. So, right, right. yeah, it's, it is fascinating. Um, it's also you know, hearing the reality of, of, you know, when you kind of learn how this all started, you're just sort of like, oh, that wasn't good. Why are we still doing it that way? (laughs) You know, so, and I I think we know that, um, even in one of the conversations, um, they were talking about, you know, switching, if we switch to a single payer system or universal healthcare, just how tremendously, um, complicated that is going to be based off of mm-hmm. where you, it's kind of like code in as very technical but in computers mm-hmm. when you learn code you learn that there's like blockchain and you can't change any it'd be like if you went to your to your website your browser and you selected the website and you just added an extra letter in there it would change the entire um right. website address and so that's kind of what you know once you've built on something for so many years and and mm-hmm. decades um changing that is quite the workload but but it in a way it would be worth it so i hope we get there someday well isn't that i mean isn't it similar to you're going from gas engines to electric engines for cars i mean it must be somewhat similar you're you're well, you've got a whole you know, new system. Is um, I can't say that it is personally for me um, that that healthcare is um, you know well if I was if I was going to go uh, myself me if I was going to go try to engineer a new um, transmission or new you know parts for the car to switch it from. Um, gasoline to electric, I, I can never do it. I think that there are people out there that understand that, obviously. But right. healthcare, even when you understand it, um, healthcare is one of, I mean, healthcare is our largest expense in the United States. And not only that, but um, we're the only country in the world that you can walk to the sink and draw tap water, but you don't have universal health coverage. So every other major um, wow country that has infrastructure has universal health coverage and even a lot of countries that don't have um you know the infrastructure that we do so um what that brings for us is a lot of administrative costs because we have um, all of these codes associated with every medical procedure and groups Mm -hmm. of procedures and billing and 
So, you know, in the United States, some hospitals have a whole wing or a whole floor or even a whole building dedicated to billing. And in other countries, they might have one person who works a couple days a week to do um, billing costs. Yeah. And, And they even have reimbursement departments in other countries where you actually go get um, money that you had to pay for gas to get to the doctor. You, they give you money at the office. You're yeah. kidding. No, it's it's a little bit. So fascinating, <laughs> yes. Frustrating, also yes. Frustrating, yeah. Yeah, when you look at kind of where we're at. And yeah. again, Oregon is one of the most progressive. So we've, we've kind of, we actually, um, I think it was Kitzhopper who his ideas and Greenlit, uh, Greenlich, who I think died a couple years ago, um, at our Oregon State Legislature, he was the one that um, sort of brought forward all the ideas for universal health care in the United States. And that's how we wow. adopted uh, the Affordable Care Act was from those ideas. So Oregon wow. is paving wow. the way. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Because when mm-hmm. you when you think about where we live, Curry County, which has got to be the least progressive county yeah. in the state. And especially in healthcare, right? actually. You know, public yeah. health and healthcare. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's nice to know that there are there are other people doing the work, right? Oh, it's it's going on, yeah. Um, it's happening. I mean, I'm we curious. pointing to the problems mm-hmm. and saying, oh, don't forget about Curry County. Yeah. Cause, you know. If you need a roadmap of what not to do, you know, we're exactly. definitely here to visit support. Us. Please visit us. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit further on in, mm-hmm. the, in this show about some of that stuff, too, because, yeah, <laughs> the Curry Health Network just... You know, yeah, sent out a little uh, video that says, "Oh yeah, we're we're now in uh, what do they call it? Crisis standard of care, which is right. not good." But we'll we'll get yeah. to that. I wanted to. I just wanted to touch on a couple of other things before we right. have to delve <laughs> into, into the all heavy of stuff. That. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, first of all, how is your long COVID? Because we haven't talked about that in a long time. Yeah. Um... You know, I'm still kind of at a place where I think it's just going to be like this forever the way it is now, which for me is, you know, it's a lot of pain and um, I'm working on different types of physical therapy that I can do to try to, uh, I lost a lot of muscle mass in the last two and a half years um, from just struggling with moving and eating and things like that. So um, there's a lot of physical therapy there that I'll be doing and Hopefully, you know, before COVID, I was going to the gym probably three to four days a week and was about 170 pounds and was, you know, in pretty decent shape. And I ate really well, um, mostly vegetarian diet. And then, of course, with COVID, everything, you know, my muscles have deteriorated. My joints are consistently inflamed and it's difficult to eat. So I'm, I'm not eating as well. You know, even fruits taste like uh there's some fruits that taste like lacquer and there's some that just taste like uh i don't even know how to describe it like they're rotten or something so i can't i can't really get the best nutrition that i'm used to and so my body is just in not as good a shape as it was before all of this so um you know everything's heightened there's pain and all of that my breathing has been um a little bit difficult which is why I'm actually trying not to like gasp while I'm talking in here because it's it's hard. Right. I can't. I went to karaoke <laughs> a few weeks ago and like, oh man, I can't no. sing. 
Yeah. Now. I'm gasping. So. And your brain, how's your brain working? Oh, I fairly I've, good. I've kind of um come up with some techniques for myself to catch it when I'm starting to lose my train of thought and Great. um that's that's the hardest. I mean, that's hard for anybody yeah. when you when you're talking and you just totally lose it, but for it to happen suddenly out of nowhere, like after I've yeah. I've never had issues with that in my life and then just it happening constantly. So I'm coming up with different ways that I can um, keep myself on track and remind myself what I was talking about. And it's difficult. Good. Good. You know, Good. that's why we're not doing this live. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah, yet. I know. That's that's always scary. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. It is. It's funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but, but you know, you've had COVID and, and so you've got these lingering issues that you have to deal with. And, and some of us who are several decades older than you didn't have COVID, right. but went through the, the three-year lockdown the right. same as, you know, other people. And, you know, we're having issues too. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, I've, it was like put the brakes on most people's lifestyle, unless you were already, yes. um, I mean, I can't. I can't imagine, you know, if you were already kind of sedentary, just maybe you have a disability or maybe something else is going on. But even then, I think that the access to care for a lot of people. Everything changed. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, so another thing that I wanted to mention, and this is kind of a fun thing, is mm -hmm. um, there is a play that mm -hmm. your daughter and your husband are both in, and it opened this weekend. Yeah, it was, I went to, so this is Rent, and this is a um, Broadway musical, and if you haven't seen a Broadway musical, it's very interesting. <laughs> that, yes. that was actually, I think, my first, my first, you know, musical outside mm -hmm. of, well, I was in Guys and Dolls, but it's not quite the same. This one's mm -hmm. definitely very um, flamboyant, it's very fun, and yeah, um, really dramatic, but um yeah, I, is it I can't. The Pelican Players is that where Pelican where Playhouse? It is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Checo Pelican Players. Yeah. Yes. So then yes. that's uh, up here at the north end of town. I think the tickets are still online. You can buy online. Um, great. I don't know. I just great. bought them while I was there, so you can also. So you saw them. it, right? You saw it. Like I did. We yeah. I took my dad. Night. I took uh -huh. my dad and the boys last night, and I can't tell you what parts Ada and Matt play because they play multiple parts. Matt actually That's plays great. a cop, and it's so funny because he's supposed to barge in. You know, it's basically a bunch of homeless people, and he's supposed to just barge in and kind of, you know, take, just push him out of the way. And he's so polite. He has such a hard time <laughs> barging in that, yeah. So, um, oh, but, Matt. <laughs> but it was very good, and yes. they, uh, if anybody made a mistake, I didn't notice any. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, really good. good. Good, good, good. So you can still catch that. I think there's a, another couple of weekends. Yeah, two more weekends. Playing. And next yep. weekend on Friday night, I'm thinking. Um, I think Jason's going to let me know if Friday or Saturday night is the busier night. And mm -hmm. um, uh, Brookings Response will be there with a table and some brochures and cards. And oh, we'll be great. Um, just kind of sharing what Excellent. we do with people coming in. Yeah. Excellent. Great, great, great. 
Um, there's a lot to do during the holiday season here, uh, including the beautiful light display, Nature's Coastal Holidays in Azalea Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been there yet this year. I usually wait until if my daughter's coming to town, which she is this year. Yeah, that's exciting. Then, then we go. Then we, we go as a family. Yeah. Um, but I think they've, they're talking about something like 3 million lights this it's year. It's very lit up. So you can, you can see it from across the bridge when you're kind of coming to, um, you're, you're coming to, into town. So before right. you hit the bridge, you can see it all the way from over there. It's pretty bright. Yeah, that's yeah. just that's just amazing. And every year it keeps mm-hmm. getting more and more. You know that. Yeah. I've noticed that specifically in the last few years, um, Klaus and Leslie Wilkerson are like such. Oh, is that who does it? Driving force. Yeah, they're they're both on the board, or they are the board, or and they. Yeah. I mean, there's lots and lots of volunteers who who help but those those two people are the engine that drives it and it's just amazing it's yeah, amazing I, I saw some new structures light structures Excellent. um yesterday i drive by all the time we haven't right. went as a family yet so we'll have to yeah. go here in a couple weeks but yeah, it was really busy the last dry weather i know be- yeah it's <laughs> been very cold her. lately yes <laughs> and rainy and yucky yeah it does that here sometimes it does generally in the winter mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was one more thing that i know about and that is tony parish is mounting his stout mountain railway model train display again uh, i believe that opens on the 17th of december in the brookings harbor shopping center which is oh. kind of close by where your office is yeah and it's always amazing i mean i've I've gone to see it several times, and it's just... And this is the train? Yes, it's the model trains. The little and he's one. And he's got like a whole room that at the shopping center that he oh. puts all of this display, and so there's several trains going at one time. Like little trains. You can't like ride on Little off. trains, right. Okay. Model, model trains. Yeah. 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 That is so fun. It's just so fun. (laughs) And my my grandson's eyes used to get like big as saucers when we'd walk in there. Like, wow. So, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. I don't know that I've seen that. I don't even know how long that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, They did have trains at Stout Park. Was that the same person? And those, yes. And that's that's Tony. Yeah, I've seen those. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But he does a whole big display for Christmas. It's amazing. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Um. Then there was uh, the more serious issues Mm -hmm. that we actually should talk about. Um, So Ginny Williams, who is the CEO of Curry Health Network, posted a video on Facebook yesterday, or maybe the day before, um, announcing that the hospital in Gold Beach and the ER here in Brookings have moved to what is called a crisis standard of care. So what does that mean and why should we be concerned? Well, basically, CEO Williams says that the impact of COVID cases, RSV, which is that new respiratory virus Mm -hmm. that's out there, and the flu have converged in a surge of patients 
that exceeds CHN's capacity. People are waiting hours to be seen uh, in the ER, and patients that need to be passed on to higher care are sometimes waiting, she said, as much as 48 hours before they can be moved. I know. Oregon Health Authority is aware of this, but what they can do to mitigate it is, you know, who knows, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm thinking about all the people who, you know, don't have good health care, don't yeah. have a doctor that they can just call and get in to see, and you people know, who are just, you know, more fragile and vulnerable here. What the mm-hmm. heck, right? And statistically speaking, uh, the holidays is when people have more medical emergencies, just the stress mm-hmm. of the holidays alone. I think mm-hmm. they said it's something like three times as many people. If you're really? if you're on the verge of a stroke or on the verge of a heart attack, um, going through the holidays is, is often what will set people over the edge. So, yeah. And, and I actually just lost a family member to stroke. And so... Um, yeah, it, it's, this is the time of the year where, you know, people are kind of much more likely to experience a medical emergency and need the emergency room. Mm. And I think we, I think we heard that, um, there was a concern that if we, if we were not able to keep our COVID numbers down, that that would kind of merge with the yearly flu. And then having RSV in the mix, especially for kids, you know, I, I can't only imagine, and this is this so this is news to me obviously i have i've been in finals land for the last few days but um right. is that also uh kind of happening around state or, or is evidently little... it's happening everywhere um Acro- across because, the country yes because yeah. okay. that is what's happening you know we have yeah. that deadly convergence of those three things that they said it was going to be a problem right right and and indeed, and it's are. showing up as a problem. So the the fact that people are have to hang out in the emergency room for you know up to forty eight yeah. hours before they can be transported is, I mean, they're doing everything they can to make sure that they're comfortable and being managed and everything else. But you know, emergency rooms are not meant to be. The yeah. place where you stay and get care, right? Yeah, it's, they're not usually where you do the important no. surgeries or no. treatments or no. things like that. It, I mean, they happen, not. but again, it's under crisis care. So, yeah, 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 yeah. that is concerning. And I know that, you know, we're looking at a shortage in healthcare professionals. I mean, certainly the the whole COVID pandemic thing, we lost a lot of our healthcare professionals. You know, they either mm-hmm. left the profession because they just got burned out or, you know, I mean, some of them died. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, uh, yeah. And then yeah, right. of course you can't have classrooms full of people when you're in the middle of a pandemic. So everything yeah. just, yeah. I yeah. did notice um, a couple of my, uh, I guess, colleagues and then a few family members have been pretty sick lately, and I'm kind of wondering if, you hmm. know, they didn't have some variation of the flu or hopefully not any RSV, although I think I heard that from someone recently hmm. close to me that their kiddo had RSV. So, um, yeah, good. I'm trying to stay away from it all. 
So we, yeah, no when we're sick out there, we mask up because obviously, you know, we're around people who, you know, like you said, don't necessarily have a primary care doctor that they see or can see on a timely basis. And then, um, you know, sometimes end up using the emergency room as care. And as much as we try to mitigate that, that does happen and can cause even more congestion in the hospital system. So um, that's something that we'll have to you know, we really try to take that into account anyway. We're always trying to keep the emergency room use down um, when it's something that is non-life-threatening, when it's something that's just related to a person's social needs. But, you know, then there's just things that we aren't able to control. And sometimes they really do feel like that's the only place they're going to get care. So Sometimes um, it is the only place they're going to get care. Yeah. Unfortunately... (laughs) If, we, if they're triaging at this point and, and only the really sickest people are getting looked at, uh, you may be going and sitting in the emergency room for five, six, seven hours before you mm-hmm. get seen. And so people should just know that. I mean, you know, we've got listeners who are listening to this. So just, just know mm-hmm. that um, they are discouraging people going to the emergency room for anything other than really serious emergency kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, you don't want to discourage like elderly people who right. have got a respiratory illness because you don't know how quickly that can turn right, yeah. really bad. So, so yeah, just, just be aware that, that, that could we've be got this way, issue. Yeah. Yeah, we, and, and we've got an issue going on. And if you're going to go to the emergency room for something that is not immediately life-threatening, expect to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. So you might want to take snacks with you. You know, you might want to take a blanket. <laughs> yeah, they do have vending machines, so you can take money. I've been there enough. That, yeah, exactly. That'll help. But, yeah, yeah. it's um, it's it's a... We're this just is, in such a strange time. It's sort of know? reminiscent of kind of the first year, well, I of guess COVID. couple, because that yeah. Delta surge is really where we had a, that's really where we were like, oh, you know, maybe we missed it. And then Delta yeah. came in July of uh, 2021. And I think we all realized that, no, we did we were not miss way it. way behind the eight yep. ball. Way yeah, we behind were just, it. Yeah. We just hadn't gotten yeah. to our place yet. So. That's it's right. kind of reminiscent of that where we the hospitals were um, not doing elective surgeries and elective doesn't mean optional necessarily. It just means <laughs> yeah, um, not, not open heart surgery or something. Yes, you know, exactly. So uh, exactly. there were several procedures that I, you know, my sister had to have her kidney out and they had to, they waited. Um, oh. I want to say they waited like a year. Oh, because they weren't doing it was considered an elective surgery. So wow. Meanwhile, that's a year of um, at least once a month, you know, going to the urgent care or uh, occasionally the ER. So yeah, that backs up everything. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And I worry about the people, you know, because this is the time of year when it's raining. I can I can hear the rain as we're right, recording yeah. this. It's very cold um, right now. Yeah, and it's cold out there. And if you don't have a secure place to live, you're looking at being out in this and mm-hmm. getting wet and getting cold. And 
um, and probably getting sick. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the time of the year where we see a lot of things transmitted. And it happens in the summer, too, for a different reason, um, because it's warmer and maybe things are just kind of growing or something. But right. so we do see certain illnesses in the summer, but in the winters where we see a lot of, um, you know, breathing issues and, and illnesses related to respiratory. So that's concerning for us. And you know, it, this is a yearly thing. This isn't just happening since COVID, but certainly with COVID, there's a bigger concern about what's being spread around out there. And absolutely, you know, that coupled. With and the I weather. would make sure that you know, if if you have not gotten your vaccines, that you do that. Um, make sure that you're up to date on the boosters for COVID and get your flu mm-hmm. shot. Um, I did that like a month or so ago and mm-hmm. I got mine. Yeah, I and I, don't I usually feel get it. Barely. Yeah, I don't usually get I don't usually get the flu and I don't usually get a flu shot, right? Right. But yeah, same. one year I got the flu and the next year I said, "Up, oh, that's it." Yeah, I'm that's getting, I'm getting the flu vaccine. I don't want to tell my dad that is too. Yeah, he he yeah. got it several years ago and he's very very consistent on getting the flu shot and was even, you know, kind of putting pressure on me. And of course I, I'm like, well, I'm young. I'm not, I'm not sick very often. <laughs> and then COVID just sort of turned everything up. In fact, yep, I think did. I got sicker than all the people older than me. It, it's quite interesting. You got pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. You, you it's did almost like, um, it's almost like a, you know, thirties, late twenties and, and early thirties illness or something where it really hit us hard. Cause yeah. I, they're, you know, there were so many people I knew that were older that got COVID that did get sick, but they recovered. Okay. And mm-hmm. there are people my age that just didn't. And I don't know why, but. Yeah. You've got long COVID. And yeah, I mean, it's great for the people who are studying it that there's sure, lots yeah. of examples. I'll donate can... my body to science. Exactly. Done. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Talking about the people who are vulnerable and um, mm-hmm. at risk kind of takes me into uh, winter warming and that whole yeah. that whole thing because, as I recall, you did that last year and yeah, we did and with a um, kind of nobody knew it was happening and it was very successful, right? And so there's always winter warming, although I don't know what historically, I don't know what the years have looked like, but there is always winter warming um, funding that comes around and some types of shelter, whether it's just a few motel rooms or last year because of, uh, you know, mostly because of COVID, honestly, and the funding that was available, we were able to get an entire motel. Um, most of that was, again, related to COVID, and so it was people isolating when they were sick or if they got the vaccine and had a reaction, um, a way for them to recover. But there were certain rooms dedicated just to winter warming, and so that funding, it, which normally comes out in November, and it's a little bit, we have a little bit of a delay. Obviously, we're already into the rain and cold right. and all that, and we don't have it running, but... um yeah, last year we had, I think, I don't know how many of the families went through specifically just the winter warming um, or or how many of these were COVID because I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think we had roughly 70 households that came through and mostly um, just single individuals or couples, but there were 
uh, sometimes families with kids or, you know, mm-hmm. several adults in one household. So 70 households went through winter warming and COVID Excellent. shelter. And that, so uh, winter warming starts, I think it usually starts November, you know, the end of November or December 1st, and then it runs until April 1st. So we have, the funding will be coming out, I mean, any day. We're we're just waiting to hear back from ORCA at this point. Mm-hmm. And I believe... So we submitted an application, and then uh, the Curry Homeless Coalition submitted an application, and we're kind of we're going to kind of prioritize with um, if if we receive some of the funding, which I I do think that we are receiving some, I just don't know the amount yet, and so we'll be opening some rooms in one of the motels, the same one we used last year, and be able to utilize that for winter warming, and then. Um, Beth at the coalition. I'm not sure what her plan is yet, but I think we're both we're both still getting everything together. You know, the plan's basically together, but we're still kind of getting right. some of the details wrapped up while we wait for the funding announcement. So, so um, the the funding is yeah. a little bit later this year, then, right? It is, and I kind of wish that they would start this in September so that yeah. everybody knew by October, November, beginning November, how much right. we were getting, so we could. Right you know, apply for additional funding or whatever else we needed to do. Um, because the no, reality yeah, is that the weather is, we're we're in winter I know, now. I know. I mean, we're, yes. we're definitely here. I yeah. think, I, I mean, I'm not sure what I'm hearing could just be rain, but it's pretty noisy. So I'm thinking maybe it it's even some hail in it. Oh, I'm just saying, I can't even. right? It's very noisy at my house right now. I can't even. Just say. Okay. These headphones on. Yeah, I can't don't even see or hear anything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely cold. It's I cold mean, it's been there. frosty. It's cold. Yeah. yeah. So our our intention is to have fifteen rooms open, and not all those rooms are available to just be full. I think that we'll probably have some rooms that are kind of um, a bit available that are more like nightly rooms, where it's just mm-hmm. you're there for the night to kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just orient yourself or whatever the case may be if somebody is having um, a situation come up. So right. I, again, I don't know all the details because we're actually still working out um, with some of our community partners what that might look like. Um, mm-hmm. I sat down with uh, Chief McRae last week and the talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, Brookings Police Chief um, and the Community Resource Officer, which is Sophia, and I cannot remember her last name right now lucera i think um so she's the new community resource officer so we sat down with um so dave and i went over there we sat down with chief mccray and sophia and talked about just what you know kind of we have coming down the pike and also how they might be able to use that as a resource and so the Mm -hmm. potential there for the brookings police department to you know they have already have kind of a resource set up with salvation army where if somebody needs an emergency room for the night, um, there's certain s- conditions that it has to meet, and then they can get a room voucher. Um, but they don't have any support or follow up or anything like that. It's just sort of like, here's your room for the night, and like hopefully you're fine by the next morning. Which you know that's that's all they can do really. So right. we talked about you know that that could look different for a winter shelter where they could, you know, potentially bring someone there. Uh, obviously, we're screening everybody off-site, so there won't be, even when we have it open, 
Um, people will have to come out to our building, our our center out in Harbor um, mm-hmm. in order to apply. And I think we'll probably have an application online as well. So mm-hmm. um, you won't be able to go to the shelter space itself and try to get in. You'll um, There won't be any um, guests or outside people allowed on there because it's, it's really a shelter. You know, it's not. Right. Right. It's not somebody's um, motel room, even though it, it might be in a room. It's it's really shelter based. So we we will right. have um, multiple staff from, I think, 12 hour coverage Monday through Friday. And then we'll have nights and weekends on call and some other additional coverage nights and weekends as we need. So right. we've definitely got right. more staff this time. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel pretty good about this. So, yeah, we're ready to kind of roll. So what do you think the the possibility is that someday um, we will actually have a decent-sized shelter here where people, when, when it's looking pretty ugly in terms of the mm-hmm. weather, that people can go at the last minute if they need to and just yeah, get Yeah, like a regular... In. Like right, a regular you know, like, shelter yeah. where they can just get out of the weather just for the night, yeah. get out of the weather. I mean, um, what do you think? Will we ever have that? I mean, it, it seems like... Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll have that eventually. I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer, and yet, you know, we don't You know, we had, we had the mission before. For a short period of time, we had a women's right. mission in town, and there were a lot of reasons why those went away, and I've... I actually saw online not too long ago, somebody said, you know, basically it was not uh, effective or it was not um, mm-hmm. successful, which I, I, I've i measured success from a um, quantitative standpoint when doing social services, which is very difficult um, mm-hmm. to put, you know, measuring success into numbers. But, mm-hmm. but there are ways to do that. And I would I would say that the mission was wholly successful in what they were doing and provided um, income to people, provided housing, provided support. And it's not for everybody. You know, it wasn't for everybody. But I do think they were successful. Well, no solution is for everybody. No. I mean, that's the reality. That's why, that's why I get frustrated when I hear a lot about, like, well, we don't want to duplicate services. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we, we certainly don't want to duplicate anything unnecessarily but i think there are times where you create a service that is already um available in the community and that it's not a duplication because maybe people don't feel comfortable accessing it from your doorway or um you know there's so many reasons why there are times where duplication is necessary and even critical um, for access to care so i think that that's one of those examples yeah absolutely yeah and and to not have multiple places where people can get in out of the mm-hmm. environment is is just you know, and it's unfortunate. It's part of our it's part of our um, vision, you know, for the future for Core to establish a shelter. Um, we originally had, I think, put that in our plan informally. Put that in our plan for 2022 was to try to. Um, establish some sort of shelter services. And that's kind of what we're doing with winter shelter is, mm-hmm. you know, this is last year was us, um, I don't know, kind of sticking our toes in it really for, for as an organization. Like I said, winter shelter has been going on for a long time. So 
you know, whether the community knows it or not, there are people every winter that get sheltered um, through funding from ORCA. And that's totally normal. And that's, I mean, that's a good thing. We want that. Um, but we're we're trying to take it and formalize it a little bit better for us, mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the coalition has done that for themselves. And we also want to look see, like, what does that look like for us as an organization to provide shelter services? And... Uh, so last year was kind of our intro to that, and then we've done a lot of research, a lot of touring of facilities, um, done a, um, a lot of consultation. We have some consultation coming up as well, but we're kind of at a point now where, you know, we could co- consult on projects. Um, so we're, we're ready to move into, you know, this this winter we'll be doing really some intentional work with people while they're in the shelter as opposed to just offering the shelter itself we're really going to engage with people and like i said you know we'll have direct support staff 8 a.m to 8 p.m every day and then we'll have people on call as well for any kind of issues that come up and really be case managing people so that when we move into you know project turnkey or if we are able to um establish a t- any type of emergency shelter which is what you're talking about is emergency mm-hmm. shelter right so people don't usually stay in an emergency shelter from you know they can stay there for more than a night but it's usually mm-hmm. night to night um basis so that way there's always room you know beds open right. so that that's something that uh i think we'll be ready for next year as we plan out you know maybe towards the end of the year what that could look like it, it might include having a permanent you know, emergency shelter somewhere more likely mm-hmm. in the county because there's a lot more open area. So right, right. And the the idea is obviously to to help people change their lives as well, so that they're they're not yeah. necessarily just you know sh- sheltering to get out of yeah. the wind and the yeah, rain. Yeah, most but people. Like they're kind they of working, want you know, their they, lives to work, right? and they they know what they need to get. Like I said, most mm-hmm. people, like there, definitely. When I was out there, I was kind of floating around in the wind. I didn't have any goals or plans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I thought, like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut someday, or I don't know, you know, <laughs> what I thought. But I didn't, I didn't have um, really understand like what my future was going to look like, and and that's more for the people my age and younger, whatnot, mm-hmm. that are kind of out there and figuring things out for themselves. Um, of course, some of them also are out there, you know, through no fault of their own because they they maybe do have chronic health conditions or they have uh, mental health conditions or developmental disabilities. So there are people that are out there that are younger than me that, you know, it's not just because they're out there bumping around. But right. um, a lot of the older population that is out on the street, it's it's really like, you know, there's a plan but until they have a safe place to be, um, and it's not it's not because they're not safe that they're not getting stuff done. It's because they're they have to constantly move around. And mm-hmm. when you don't have any set place to be, you know, when you're homeless, most of your day is taken up just by um, finding all think about all the resources. It's kind of hard to do because if you haven't been homeless before because you're you're just sort of on autopilot, you know, Think about you in your home right now and how many times you get up and get something to drink or how many times you get up and get something to eat or how many times you use the restroom or or how many yep. times you might even lay down. Just think of all of the things that you do in your home and people have to do those things anyway. 
And so if you are without shelter, you have to go, you, it's, you got to take the long way around. Yep. You have and, to go somewhere right. to do those things. You have to seek those things out and find yes. them. And, and every day you have to put together a plan and yep. some are better at it than others. That's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. So some people are in crisis a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. When I was homeless, you know, I had kids and I, every, I mean, I, I woke up every, every morning with a plan. And it took me all day to fulfill that plan just to make sure that we had a place we were going to be again that night and that everybody was fed and that everybody that we were able to get up the next morning and drive somewhere. So it was making sure we had gas, making sure we had food, um, making sure the kids had clean clothes and just all of these things that we kind of maybe not even take for granted, but we just sort of don't. It's just our part of our daily routine in our home. So. Because well, I think you, those of us who mm -hmm. who are housed, we do take that for granted. I mean, I don't Sometimes. I don't have to worry or wonder where I'm going to sleep tonight. Right. I don't have to worry and wonder. So you have that extra time tomorrow night, yeah. or the following night. I don't have to think about yeah. that because that's already established. Yeah, it's it's done for you. So so yeah. you have okay. So you've got that bit of extra time now. You don't you know yes. that because that could take a person an hour to figure out where they're going to set up tent, go get their equipment. Maybe it's already at another campsite somewhere, or maybe they have a campsite so they don't have to worry about their housing for the night. All right. So then there's the meals and right. you know, how many times you eat in a day. I eat it's very small meals throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and I always have. So, you know, you're, you're thinking about, okay, you actually have to think about like, how many times am I going to eat today? Where am I going to yeah. get that food? Right. Um, and is it something I have to prepare? How am I going to do that? So, there's, so there's that time. So just all of that time adds up. And a person and the who's... the bathroom you know, issues. The bathroom. And that is a major, older, major one. I'm right. telling you, as you get older, that not Or if you've had like a bunch of frequent, kids. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, right? So, I mean, you have to deal with mm -hmm. that. And, and there are people out there that legitimately have some some chronic health conditions that make it... You yes. know, we have, we have a couple of people on the street who have IBS. And I know that that's a huge problem for them and has, you yep. know, they they can't just go get a job because if they only own a couple pairs of pants and they have an issue with IBS, it's like they can't go to work like that. Mm -mm. So they, now they've got to spend the day finding new clothes and a shower. So, again, that whole day has gone. So if you're, you know, like most of us, all right, we can handle that. We can get through that. I did it. You know, I got through that. I had kids. I had to do diapers. And I weirdly enough did washable diapers through most of the kids's i mean even when we were homeless most of the time mm -hmm. although there was times where it was like oh, this is just too too much yeah. you know yeah, in a yeah. tent or something yeah but um but i still you know did stuff like that and i managed matt managed we you know they're not people aren't wrong when they say like well you know they uh you know they can work to help get themselves out of it most you can, you know, most of the people my age and younger, they, they can, and they, they just need some more support, like social support and, you know, change is very hard for any of us. But, but specifically in this context, people who are in their, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, even eighties, we have people in their eighties out on the street right now. Um, they're not as, you know, it's just a little bit harder to navigate for them. And maybe they're not used to technology stuff. Maybe this is their first time being homeless. That, that since COVID, I've seen um, an increase in people who have been homeless for their first time. This is their first time wow. being homeless. 
And so if you think about, I think we talked about this actually probably close to a year ago, um, about the difference in somebody who's been chronically homeless, who's maybe 30 years old and doesn't have a disability or a major disability, and they're managing around outside, and then compare and contrast that with somebody who is, you know, 70 years old, and this is their first time homeless, and they don't know how to navigate the internet, and they don't know how to navigate these systems. They've never had to. And maybe they even thought that uh, those systems weren't for them. You know, I can't tell you how many people, everybody, everybody I meet that is homeless for the first time, the words that come out of their mouth, I mean, it's just, I can almost say it with them, is, you know, that this isn't me. This isn't like me. This is not how I normally am. And I just want to tell them it's okay you're, that you're here. Like, and what that means to me is they themselves see being homelessness as a, a plague, as a, um, you know, as it, it is a negative factor, but only because we make it so as a society and because it's difficult, but they see it as a personal fault. And so personal failing. When, yes, yeah. a personal failing. Yes. Yeah. So when they become homeless, it's like, well, I mean, it's just all kinds of shame and all kinds yes. of things when really they, we need that. We need to take that time that right when they first become homeless, that critical period of time before they start, um, you know, catching on to the poverty tax and things start piling up for them. We, you know, to get them out of that quicker, it would be a lot easier to do if we decided as a society that being homeless is not a sin or and shameful. it's not a, it's not a personal failing, and right. there are people's behaviors that lead them to be homeless that are poor behaviors. Totally open to talking about that, um, yeah. as long as but we're also talking about the context. They can yes. be changed. Yes, they, because you people have to weren't born like that. To change them, obviously, right. but right. they can be changed. Yes, but but being homeless is yeah. not a personal failing because if it was so many families that came from the Great Depression, well, then they're just terrible people. And right. we know that's not true. Yeah. So you can't exactly. say, you know, being homeless is a personal failing. So that's where, um, you know, well, that's where we take the conversation oftentimes. So, Well, and it, it's where we need to take it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I am in my 70s, and I do have IBS issues. And Mine usually hit me in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m. Right. Well, thank goodness my bathroom is 10 feet away. Yeah. But yeah, I, what, I never, what on earth would I do? Right? I never, that's one thing, you know, having been homeless for such a long period of time, like I, I do not take any of this for granted. I mean, every single time I go to use something in my house, I think, mm -hmm. thank God mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I am not out there right now and I can just do this yeah. every time even if I'm busy and I'm the busiest I've ever been and I just need to go grab a quick thing out of the kitchen every single time I walk in there or I sit on my bed or I go into my bathroom or I turn on the hot water in the shower every time I think thank god because yeah it's exactly. scary being homeless and you know I it takes a lot of time to be homeless and so Circling, I guess, back to shelter and things like that, you know, that's really what shelter provides is people, you know, it's like a roadmap for, you know, someone's, you know, 65 years old and they can get on their social security now and 
they can get, um, maybe they still qualify for food stamps, even though they have social security and, um, you know, maybe they've got, um, some other retirement stuff coming up for them. And so there's, there's a roadmap for them, right? Like it is just steps to getting their income, getting, you know, making sure they've got a place where they can afford it. And usually, even though we don't have enough senior housing, usually the housing that's for seniors is a little bit cheaper often because Mm -hmm. often they're on fixed incomes. And I mean, fixed income, like social security income. So yeah, we're not talking thousands of dollars yeah. fixed income. Like most, <laughs> we're talking the, a little bit of fixed income. I think yeah. the the highest fixed income we had that was like still very low income was fourteen hundred a month. Fourteen hundred and one dollar a month was mm. one person's, and that was his retirement. So you know that's the mm-hmm. max he's going to get. Mm-hmm. But um, so so making sure you know it's like okay, this person's sitting in front of me. Well, we can definitely get them on their social security. We can definitely get them housing. We can definitely get them a phone, get them food stamps, get them all these things. But we have to make sure they're in one place so that we can make those appointments so that we can find them so that, you know, if something happens and we lose track of them for a month and we have to start all over, you know, that takes up even more time. So shelter is a really important tool for us to use. Um that I don't, short, I don't dramatically know shortens how we, them. And, and how is it that we don't consider that like a necessary thing? Well, the word shelter has really negative connotation. And that's what I've found is that when we talk about shelter, um, because even through turnkey, we, we talked about transitional housing. It's transitional housing. So let me be clear here that yes, Project Turnkey is ha- going to be happening. That is not shelter, that we are talking about transitional housing there. So when when I what I did notice is when I was talking about turnkey all, all this last year or so, I had you know city councilors and um, community members and, and other people who had their concerns saying, you know, well, this blah, 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 this shelter. And, and I always try to redirect the conversation. This is not a shelter, this is transitional housing. And the, it's, it's housing. It's the same as other housing. It's just that y- your max is like three years, but that's housing. Shelter is, you know, 30 days, 90 days, a day. So, um, but I think that the, what happened there is I had to reinforce that so much that now I f- started feeling like um, shelter is a bad word and it's mm. not. And so I'm just going to keep saying that mm-hmm. we're talking you know, turnkey is not shelter, but what I'm talking about here is shelter. And, yes. you know, I know we don't have time to go into all of that, maybe another time, but um, we have to dispel that negative connotation. And in order to do that, we have to, you know, that stems from seeing people who are homeless as inherently bad. And when we stop doing that, we'll see shelter as necessary. Yeah, no. I, you know, this is a conversation that we will obviously have to keep having. Yeah. Um, and and it's a good thing, really. It's it's a good thing to keep having this conversation. Um, the idea that we can vilify people who have no place to live because they have no place to live, and then mm-hmm. they are socially unacceptable 
right. part because they have no place to live. You know? And I hear like, well, it, yeah, but, you know, there's some that just this and there's some that just yeah. that. That's fine. Okay. Like if you want to yeah. have negative feelings about those some, but identify who those people are individually. Exactly. Don't put exactly. everybody in that basket because that is really unfair and you wouldn't want me to do that to you. <laughs> Exactly. And it, it, it would be like making a blanket statement that, well, all women, you know, want right. this. If and you this, know some or, women, say their names. You say, exactly. Say, exactly. Candace, I hate it when you do this. Yes. You know, it's so <laughs> typical. But God, I just hate it when women, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. right. Ooh, <laughs> cringe. Crazy. I just when you said it, I was like, ooh. So there were a bunch of things we didn't get to today, yeah. you know, which I, and here I was, was worried I wouldn't have that. I know, say. I know. You worry needlessly. I tell you that all the time. Um, at some point, the just a reminder that the uh, the city council is going to be dealing with the franchise fees for the Coos Curry yeah. Electric Co-op, and they will be dealing with that at their December twelfth. I'm disappointed. Uh, council and, meeting, and you and might want to go or watch if you are concerned because they are gonna. Yes, they not um, only did they not take my advice or CCEC's advice or anybody's input, they they're actually going higher than the amount. So I really want people to listen to that. And that gets passed on to the customers, which is us. So just remember if things are happening at City Hall and you don't know what is happening, this fee, you're going to see this fee and you're going to think, well, it goes to something. It, it does not. You get no. nothing for this fee. It, exactly. The first 1%, yes, but after that, exactly. nothing. Yeah. So it looks like we're out of time again, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, once again, thanks for coming on the show, Diana. You know, I, I think that we need to keep talking about these issues because they indeed... Something usually happens every week in yeah. in terms of one of these issues. And, you know, people need to know what's going mm-hmm. on because it's the not knowing that allows people to get reelected to positions that they should not get reelected to mm-hmm. if people actually knew what was going on. So pay attention, folks. I will keep yes. trying to bring the information to you. Um, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Earlier episodes of our community can be accessed on our website, kciw.org. And we are now streaming. So if you have an internet connection, you can hear our programming. Visit our website for details. And please support your community radio station. There's a button for donations right on our website. That's kciw.org. I'm Candace Michelle, and this is our community. <music> <laughs>